My name is Chris Stone. I'm the creator of Blood and Bone China, and you're listening to Genretainment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Genretainment over here on SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Mark. And Julie. On Genretainment, we give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-so-independent creations. And for today's show, we welcome back filmmaker and web series creator Blake Calhoun. He's created award-winning web series like Pink, The WB's Exposed, and Continuum. He chats with us about those projects, plus he tells us about his new vampire thriller feature-length film Phobia, and his upcoming web series Morganville, which is based on the best-selling book series by the same name. It also has vampires and even a former Buffy the Vampire Slayer actress who will be starring in it. Ooh. More on that soon. Cool. And listen up, web series creators or indie filmmaking hopefuls. Calhoun also shares some tips on web series and Kickstarter. Now, before we get started with our interview, we do want to point out that the music you just heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song for our web series, Reality On Demand. It's a song composed and performed by our friend Tishon Hardy. You can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com. Now let's get to our interview with writer-director-producer Blake Calhoun. back to the show blake thanks for having me all right well needless to say you are a very experienced web series creator you know with pink and exposed continuum and you have another series coming up first let's check in on the status of continuum i think when you last time spoke to us uh season one had wrapped and season two had not started yet but now season two is online it has season two uh, actually premiered on jts.tv back in april through their website and then on, on roku boxes and uh, i think that was a pretty successful launch for them and then and now we're rolling it out in a wider release ad supported on youtube via sci-fi riot and the new sci-fi channel on youtube and also our own youtube channel at continuum the series great for people who haven't seen continuum let's talk a little bit about yeah. what continuum is about well, Continuum is about a space traveler, a young female space traveler who wakes up in a spaceship, doesn't know who she is or where she is and why she's there, and figures out pretty quickly her only means of communication is with a, a computer that is controlling the ship and ultimately her life. So it's got a little bit of 2001-esque vibe going, um, kind of a moon, the movie Moon vibe, mm-hmm. uh, and Probably a little bit of alien thrown in there, just for good measure. <laughs> and not, not comparing it to all those great shows, but that's kind of. But that's we the mood. Coming. It's 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 more those than say Red Dwarf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's dramatic, um, and uh, set in a spaceship. So that's one thing that's that I do think is pretty cool about the show. Most sci-fi today, it seems like, is not set in space. It's more apocalyptic worlds exploding which i like that too but i like also i kind of miss battlestar galactica and even the star treks where stuff is set in space mm-hmm. yeah it seems to go in cycles doesn't it it does i agree yeah uh the other you're thing ahead was, of the was, curve so yeah there you for the go. next cycle oh, right and um and the, the two things about continuum is one let me go ahead and state we are not the canadian sci-fi show 
What? That's it. This no. interview is over. That's it. Yes. We, we were misled. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I think that's actually happened a couple times. Okay, oh! So, oh. Um, Bless some your heart. Blog, blog interviews. Not, not, they've got, there's some confusion out there. And, and I, I'll say that it's actually been good in a weird way. It's like the old saying, just, I like the press, just spell my name right. Um, <laughs> we have gotten a lot of people hitting our site and our show thinking it was the other one, but then liking it. And then we also have a lot of trolls. So they're, they're, they're unavoidable. Rachel Nichols. Um, she's in the other show. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but, but But, continuum does have some actors that, uh, people who follow web series are going to recognize. Yeah. Yeah. Melanie Murkowski for sure. And Taryn O'Neill, although you don't see Taryn, she's the voice of the computer, but Melanie was lonely girl. And then she was on the CBS web series. That name escapes me right now. Harper's Harper's Island. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. And Taryn, of course, has been in a bunch of sci-fi shows. And she was in Compulsions, Bernie Sue's show, and a bunch of other good stuff. And then Brad Hawkins was in Pink. He's mainly known more um, as a character actor from television. But he's done a handful of web series as well. Mm-hmm. But one other thing I was going to say, besides us being with tied into the TV show continuum at the, since last we spoke at the IAW TV awards, we were up for a couple awards and we ended up winning best editing for the show for, for season one. So that was great. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. And we also won, I'm sorry, it wasn't, I say we, because it was the production design. We, we won best production design as well. So it's nice to have a few of those accolades and hopefully that helps continue to build, build the audience. Too. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Excellent. I'm a member of the IWTV, so uh, so I'm just going to pretend that my votes, you know, tipped it you, over. Tipped it yeah. over, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> we can go with that story. <laughs> and as you mentioned, it's on a ship, so I'm sure that was really a pain to have done. I mean, that, that's not easy to build a ship set. No, the ship set was challenging in and of itself, but what was really more challenging than anything was the visual effects, and I learned the hard way. I had done visual effects before, but we shot the show on two Canon 7D DSLRs, which at the time was great, and it's still I still like the cameras, but we got in a little over our head on all the green screen work that need to be done and the cameras, the technical aspects of doing really proper keying and such. And so the visual effects ended up just being a beast. And our guys that I worked with at Element X Creative, Chad Briggs and his team really, really, really saved the day there. You had a successful Kickstarter with your upcoming web series, Morganville, a vampire web series based on a series of books. So can you tell us a little bit about about that show, that upcoming show? And uh, tell sure. us that they don't sparkle. Yeah, yeah, please tell us they don't sparkle. The vampires do not sparkle in Morganville. Um, Morganville is a pretty interesting project for me um, for a variety of reasons. One is it's taken me in a direction I've really not done more. It's a young adult book series. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does fall in that Twilight world. But the way Morganville is and the writer, Rachel Kane, she always says, She's more, her her stories are more Stephen King than like the way Stephanie Meyer writes. Not that there's anything wrong with Stephanie Meyer, but that's just, hers are more supernatural and a little creepier, a little scarier. There's not all the, a lot of romance. It's more, it's more supernatural character study, truthfully, mm-hmm. set in a college town. But yeah, it was, it was great. 
Um, I teamed up with Rachel. I got introduced to her by Felicia Day. Probably never heard of her. I can tell you a little bit about her if you want. Um, <laughs> tell us that? more about this Felicia Day character. Yeah, she's a mutual friend of ours. And so and she knew Rachel and knew me and knew that we both lived in Texas. And so she kind of played digital matchmaker in a way and got us together. And we tried to go some traditional routes initially with the show. And th these books have been optioned around Hollywood for several years. But because of the nature of Hollywood just in general with um, vampires and when, when they get on a on a a subject, you know, let's say it's Westerns or vampires or babies or whatever it is. They always say there's too many of them. And they don't want to make another one, but then they go ahead and make another one. <laughs> <laughs> but for whatever reason, with this show, they haven't wanted to take it on in a Hollywood mode. It's been in development and it just hadn't been produced. And so with. The dawn, so to speak, of Kickstarter, Rachel owned her own the IP, and she works with Penguin, the book publisher, and they decided to do it themselves, which I actually love, the entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, she got a little bit of that from Felicia, obviously, with Felicia and, and the Guild, and I think she probably got a little input from her, too, to, to, take, to go out on her own and teamed up with me, and we're going to basically do a pilot. It's going to be more than a pilot. It'll be, it can be a standalone show. We're going to do six episodes that are eight minutes long each. So we'll have about 45 to 50 minutes of content in the end. And it can be a standalone web series, but could also be a traditional TV pilot or a, or a proof of concept. Ah, that's cool. Interesting. Excellent. And whether we pitch that to the, to the networks afterwards or to various folks, or whether we just continue it as a web series will kind of depend on how it turns out. Mm-hmm. It's pretty exciting. What I haven't read the books, so do these vampires differ in any significant way from traditional vampires? Just curious. Well, it's the the story is a little different. It's this the the book is called Morganville, and that's where it's a college town in in Texas, a small Texas town, and basically this town was created by a vampire called Amelie because van, the the vampires are dying. And this entire town is run by vampires, but people that come in don't realize it. And then once you're there, you can't leave. Sort of like the Hotel California. <laughs> <laughs> you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. <laughs> Correct. Um, the vampires end up running these people and they're trying to find a cure for this disease that's killing all the vampires. Ah. But the story is about a girl named Claire, who is a young genius, more or less. She's 16 years old and going to school early. And it's her encounters with these various other characters in the town. Uh, Shane, she ends up moving in with these kids named Shane and Michael and Eve. Uh, and it has a very Buffy vibe to it. It's very sarcastic. Um, this, the dialogue is kind of, you know, kind of Whedon-esque in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like Diablo Cody meets Joss Whedon as far as the way <laughs> the sniping back and forth. It's pretty fun. That sounds cool. That sounds very good. And then... So it's there's a lot of sarcasm and you're 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 not have you're not taking yourself too seriously. It's it's fun vampire killing. <laughs> <laughs> I like it already. Yeah, so that's that's we're now in talks with a couple of distributors and a couple other folks to maybe come on board even before we shoot. So that could be interesting. Uh, and also, I think we may end up being one of the of a handful, if not the only web series based on a pre-existing book series that sold millions of 
copies around the world before. The, I mean, it's almost like a movie the way Hollywood likes to do movies. In That's other words, cool. based on books, and you have a built-in audience and all that kind of thing. So we're excited to see where it goes. Now, yeah, I, can't, I can't think of too many examples. No. How closely will the web series follow the book? Well, there, there's 15 books, so there's a ton of material. Uh, the web series, the pilot, is going to be based on book one, which is called Glass Houses um, or Glass House. And it will, but it will leak over in a couple, maybe it's book two and three, too, to pull in a couple characters that the fans really like that don't appear until later. Mm, okay. Now I got to check out the books because, I mean, we're yeah. big, we're big Joss Whedon fans. So just saying that. Yeah. I, I'm just, don't, don't really hate me if you don't think it, <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I mean, it's not Joss Whedon, but it's, it's got a really fun, sarcastic sort of, yeah. um, bite to it. No pun intended. <laughs> um, and, and then we, we, you like to read? we have Amber, and we have Amber Benson attached to star in the show. Um, oh, speaking that's of Buffy. fantastic! Amber Benson is going to play Amelie in Morganville. Between that and the rollout of Continuum and other things I've got going on, there are um, well, there's a movie I did called Phobia, and it's actually a vampire movie too. <laughs> I'm noticing a theme. Yes. Yeah. Well, here's what's funny is I had never even never done anything with vampires and i didn't write these and so that's not where my writing usually takes me it's just purely coincidence that it's happened this way purely coincidence yeah so tell us a little bit more about that uh, i believe it's a victorian era vampire thriller it is it's called phobia and it comes out on video on demand on cable tv i think it'll be on dish and at&t uberse and pretty much any cable outlet in the u.s and or canada on september 1st it is a victorian era vampire thriller Erica Learson plays the lead character in Phobia. Her name's Dr. Leslie Parker. She is probably best known for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake with her and um, Jessica Beale. Jessica Beale starred in it. Uh-huh. And she was also in the Wrong Turn movies. But it's a story about a, a female doctor in 1885, which was really rare, that actually had to dress as a man to go to school in Paris. And Ultimately, she encounters people that have phobias, and one of her patients believes he's turning into a vampire. So that's another, it's kind of an interesting twist. And the story that unfolds is a, is a mystery because murders happen, and they're trying to de- determine whether he's the one doing it and whether he knows he's doing it or whether there's really vampires. And it was a, it was a tricky project to do because it was low budget. It was Victorian era, set in Paris and San Francisco, <laughs> shot at Dallas, Texas. <laughs> I say those are pretty specific time and locations, and trying to do that on a budget is really tough. It was. Luckily, there's a lot of Victorian homes in Dallas, and so we were pretty good there. And then we had a great wardrobe um, designer, costume designer, a woman named Deborah Girard, and she does a lot of steampunk and that kind of thing. And so she did all custom original wardrobe for the show which was amazing and that actually makes it feel and look very realistic because without that you got to nail the period in a period drama otherwise it doesn't work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the trailer is now we just released the trailer last week for the upcoming release and the movie will be out on dvd as well on october 15th and it'll be everywhere it'll be Redbox and walmart so i'm pretty excited it's a, it'll be a pretty wide release for an indie film Oh, that's really, really good. And, you know, I think that's kind of cool because there's been a lot of history of, like, people suffering from vampire-type mental illnesses, but I think they're vampires. Some of them do some pretty 
pretty disturbing things. So yeah, well, that's well, and people the, had the physical writer. ailments where they thought that that's where that came from. Too. Well, yeah, that's like actually what I was the writer. The writer of this is a woman named Ann Gibson. She's also the executive producer, and and I meant to say she kind of does some fun rewriting of history here because in the movie. Sigmund Freud is in there and also a doc, a famous doctor named Dr. Charcot and around the late 1800s, turn of the century, hysteria was a big thing. And this movie has a lot to do with hysteria and hypnosis. And that's how Freud actually started getting into his various theories by using hypnosis and such. So we use real character or real people with kind of a bent, not reality-based narrative wrapped mm -hmm. around them. So it's kind of fun. Yeah, there are some funny diagnoses with, you know, hysteria, and particularly women, and, uh, you know, revolving around women's sexuality and, and things like that. So they were thought to be mentally ill if they, you know, had fun doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, ties into the witches a little bit too there, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so... Well, happy, well-adjusted woman. There must be something wrong with her. <laughs> Yeah. It's cool. It's a fun little movie. It's not what you expect because it's a genre bender. It's a vampire thriller. It's a murder mystery. It's got some horror in it. It'll probably be the DVD will be marketed more as a horror film, although it's not a hard horror film at all. Um, it's probably a PG-13 movie. There's limited violence and there's no cussing and that kind of thing. It's just kind of a fun movie. It takes you on a, an interesting little journey. It's more of a psychological horror. That's, that's yeah. the kind yeah. I like. There's definitely psychological aspects to it, psychological thriller. Um, and then there's some traditional horror film setups, which are, which is fun too. That's cool. Now I'm starting to see a pattern where like you have your pink and continuum and Morganville and phobia. They all have like female leads. Uh, is that something you're drawn to or you just happen to have fallen into that? Just happened to fallen into it. I've had that question asked before and I obviously, just tell them it's because you're very enlightened. Yes, that's it. Thank <laughs> you. Yes. I, uh, I don't know. It's just ultimately I'm drawn to stories and characters that for unknown reasons. So why are you drawn to certain topics? Or, and that's just kind of how it's worked out. And I actually did a film. I may mention this in our first interview several years back. It was an action film called Killing Down. And the lead character in that was... Uh, Sheree Wilson, who was best known for, she was in Dallas and she was on Walker, Texas Ranger opposite Chuck Norris, mm -hmm. but that she played, um, an FBI agent and it was, um, it was a female lead there too. So I don't really know what's going on. Um, Mark's right. Strong female characters too. Yeah. Try to. Yeah. Obviously yeah. he has a thing for the, you know, the meek women, you know, so. I mean, one of my <laughs> movies are, what is alien and alien too. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Some Ripley action going. <laughs> True. Let's go back to Morganville real quick. So that web series, what's the plan of when you're going to film it and release it? What's the rough plan? That's that? kind of being determined right now because I mentioned a few seconds ago that we were talking to some distributors and some actual, uh, some more investors potentially. Mm -hmm. Because the, the Kickstarter was successful, it opened some doors to other people, I think. Um, but in our Kickstarter pitch, and we're going to try to stay true to this, we were going to shoot in October and release it in the spring uh, at some point to be determined, probably the March. But October is rapidly approaching, so that's ambitious. And if some of these other people come on board, it may get pushed a little bit. But I think if all goes correctly, 
we will shoot this fall for sure. And the thing is, Rachel's fans of the books are the ones that really made the Kickstarter successful. It is, that is hard, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had never, I'd contributed, I'd never done one. And being involved with that, we had a great team, Rachel and her assistant, Sarah, um, myself and a few other folks really worked hard on that. And just the constant tweets and now doing the reward fulfillment and coming up with the rewards. I was really surprised how much work that is. And I know it people may kind of roll their eyes at that, but until you do it, it is really hard work. I bet so. But I, I highly recommend trying Kickstarter, but I've, I've said this several times, and I mean, this is kind of known information, but having a, a known entity or a known property really helps on Kickstarter. Being a known entity, I should say, or having that that property, because if I just, if I, I've had some limited success with my different projects, but if I went out there to raise a, um, you know, 50 grand to make a new show, I, I doubt it would fund just based on me. Um, if I went out there and tried to raise money for a new pink movie or something, it may, it may be successful from that pink audience, but having that Morganville audience really, really helped. And it, it was close for us, truthfully. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry, how much was it? We raised, um, our goal was 75,000 and we raised, I think 81 or 82,000. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. So, but it's funny. Lots of times those, the way they work out is you set a certain amount and then it's like the last week you just, you somehow rally and you pull it together (laughs) unless you're Zach Braff or one of those guys and they raise multi-millions in a week, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, they're obviously few and far between. Or Veronica Mars in the first six hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But there, but with those, obviously, you're you're mixing traditional, famous media folks with grassroots campaigns, and they, you know, there's a big debate, obviously, about whether that was good or bad for Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't quite have that fan base. No, no. but I'm so happy about Brian Hindsight, now it was probably good for Kickstarter because it brought notoriety to Kickstarter. People. You know now know more about it, but I it'd be interesting to know whether those people that contributed to those well-known campaigns have actually supported other smaller projects. That would be interesting. I'm not sure if that with that studies if that information has been released. I'll tell you one thing that we learned though. Just and this is interesting. Most people think Kickstarter is a non-profit group. They don't realize that you know they're all for Zach Braff because they they take seven percent of everything you make. Mm-hmm. I believe yeah. it's seventy-five, but it's in that range, five to seven percent. So I'm not saying that's bad at all. I'm just saying people think that Kickstarter. A lot of people think that Kickstarter is a nonprofit. They're just there to help you make, you know, get your project. Oh, I didn't realize people thought that. Nobody does anything out of the kindness of their hearts. <laughs> no, not not too much. So, um, but anyway, I, I just I think that's good for people to know. So with Kickstarter. Is there any one tip you would give like another filmmaker who wants to, to try that? One, one thing you learned that really helped out? I would say, and this is probably obvious, but make a really good pitch video. I am surprised at how many times I see videos, especially for people that are going to go make a movie, and their pitch videos are terrible. It's like we're going to pitch in, we're going to contribute to you to go make a movie, and that you don't know how to make a pitch video and you, or you don't record proper audio. This, again, this may seem really obvious, but it is surprising to me how many people don't do a good job on that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a good point. I think that's a good point. 
for sure. And some people don't even do video, and it's like correct. And I believe <laughs> the number is it's a remarkably high, meaning I think only forty percent of Kickstarter campaigns make it. But the Kickstarter campaigns with a video, I believe, sixty percent of those make it, and the ones without it, only thirty or forty percent make it. So it makes a it makes a really big difference. Mm-hmm. I can well, you're that. proving you can do a visual medium, so it, it does make sense. Yeah, exactly. And then also, people want to see see you guys or see the 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 person who is presenting this this pitch, and I think it just kind of legitimizes it as well. Um, mm-hmm makes it more real, more tangible for people to grab onto. Yeah. Good advice. The other thing would be just real briefly would be to be prepared to, to be answering emails and stuff 24 hours a day. <laughs> I mean, it's really a lot of work. I can't really stress that. I was, I was actually very surprised at how much work it was. Mm-hmm. But I think it, I don't really like work. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can tell by your resume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, one of the interesting things, too, about all of your work in web series is that you've, more than I've seen other people, have experimented a lot with how you how you release your, your projects. Um, you know, I think with Continuum Season 1, I think you premiered it on Facebook first, which is one of the first web series that had, had done that. Uh, now with Season 2, you premiered on JTS first, a, a subscription service, before you went on a YouTube channel. I'm just kind of curious, you know, what... What do you feel is a good strategy for web series creators out there? Because I know they're all struggling to figure out how to release. I still think ultimately it's it's best to release them over time and probably probably just on YouTube. I mean, for the most part, if I mean for the average average show is what I'm trying to say. I have done with Exposed. We did sort of the Netflix release where you do binge viewing. We did them. We we did. We had what we had. We had nine or ten episodes, I believe, with, and we did five one week and five the next week. Um, and in my opinion, because you're not a show like Arrested Development or whatever, you it's good to continually have new stuff hitting and to create continually be able to tweet about it or Facebook about it or or get buzz going about it. And then not to mention with YouTube, the more activity you have on your channel, the, the more money you can make if you're monetizing. And then also that leads me to more videos means more ad revenue there as well. Um, but I, I also like, I would almost call it like a platform release because I did JTS, which I, I recommend if you can get with a subscription subscription site. And then I did video on demand where it's pay per view download. And what I did there was I put the whole show together back to back, kind of like a movie. Mm-hmm. And then I, my final tier is YouTube, almost like the free release, like a movie would be on free TV kind of thing. And then ultimately we're going to do a DVD with all the special, with the extras, special features and that kind of thing. So multi-tiered, any way to get the show out there, continue to build the audience and ideally make a little bit of money. It's kind of a long rambling answer, but hopefully that there was a little <laughs> something in there. No, I think that was good. Well, because in YouTube, I think if that's your first choice only, I mean, unless you, I think when you're starting out, that's going to have to be probably, but. That's kind of uh, what I meant when I said that earlier. Although really YouTube is the 800 pound gorilla. I mean, that's where most people consume their video. Now there's obviously a lot of debate whether narrative shows can coexist successfully on YouTube with with the daily graces and with cat videos. Well, well, not yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Although I think that branding, that positioning is actually slowly, slowly going away. I mean, I think people are seeing real content on YouTube now, professionally produced, produced content, um, even the average Joe. But I guess probably from a viral perspective, more people send a viral video that's a cat or a kid, you know, that's talking funny from the dentist or whatever. Two YouTube. minutes of goats yelling like humans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. That's my favorite. And that's the stuff you, you see on the nightly news. You're not going to see, hey, you, did you see the episode 10 of Continuum? I mean, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm talking about a viral video. But going. If you put a screaming goat on episode Continuum, you might. <laughs> I, am on, I am on a mission to get everyone to have a yelling goat on just about everything. <laughs> I like that. That could be a good a good way to get some press for your show. Um, but yeah, the ultimately, and you know, there's also a push too, and this kind of factors into the, to the way you release your show. There's a push for longer shows. Now people now have more patience and, you know, better connections and uh, internet connections and that kind of thing. And cause when we did pink, the episodes were three minutes each. Mm -hmm. And then with exposed, which was a few years later we crept up to four or five minutes. And now a lot of people like eight to 15 minutes. I still don't like the longer ones unless you're on Hulu. Um, but when you're, when you're releasing, this is one thing I always remind people when you're releasing a show on YouTube, you don't want longer episodes if you're trying to make money because the shorter episodes is you get more ads and you get more ad revenue that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the, At least that's my opinion. That's why vlogs do so well because <clears throat> you can make them cheap, cheaply and you can yeah. make them often. Whereas narration, you can't make a gazillion different episodes. Exactly. It's just too cost prohibitive and it just takes too long. Um, daily Grace can do that daily. And I love her show. But Continuum, I mean, it's it's kind of like a movie. You sh I mean, we shot Continuum. We shot it like a movie and we shot it back in 2010. And so it's 2013 so that you can kind of see season one. See, the first bit did come out in early, late 2011. We premiered at Comic-Con. And then, as you mentioned, we did a Facebook run. But then the the next the full run was not until 2012 and then 2013 for season two. So it just takes time, mm -hmm. partly because we're on low budgets too. So if we had full budgets that were able to sustain us to work on it full time, it wouldn't have taken that long. But that's not the case typically in in web series. And I would probably say most web series creators are working a day job and doing their web series <laughs> on the side. I yeah. think so. You know, and I, and I think some people would like for narration to see half hour episodes, maybe an hour long, even like, like on Netflix. And, but you know, to do that on a indie budget is just impossible. Yeah. That's a good point because let's just say you have enough money, like with continuum again, it's the total running time of both season one and season two will be about 90 minutes. Well, we could have edited it all together and put it out like that, but then it's just one show, one episode. So to break it apart, kind of like going back to the release schedule helps. I think you build sustain. momentum. Yeah, exactly. So with Continuum, I haven't seen all of season two yet. So so I don't know how it ends or anything. I obviously don't want to ruin that. But I'm curious, <clears throat> or do you have plans for season three and beyond? We do not have immediate plans. But once you see the, the end of the show, there could possibly be a season three. Yeah. I, th I would leave that open-ended right now. <laughs> okay. But knowing that... Um, what kind of everything we just said with the cost and the time and 
the likelihood is probably it's not going to happen. If it would, it wouldn't be anytime soon. Plus, I'm working on about half a dozen other projects that I want to do. Okay, I'm going to do a psychic spoiler at the end. There's a scene of her going, all the answers are resolved. And then she looks out of the window and goes, look, a screaming goat. And then yeah. to be continued. <laughs> you yeah. must have, that must have been leaked on YouTube. I'm, I can't believe you got that. <laughs> Everyone needs a yelling goat. <laughs> but his but face, no, they can't um, hear you yell. Oh, that's right. It's the thing, silent screaming goat. That's funny. The silence of the lambs. In, um, in space, no one can hear your goat scream. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> I just think yeah, we found a new... It's interesting new... that we had two endings for Continuum. One was a more open-ended, and one was a very definite ending. And we ended up going with the more open-ended one for the exact reason you just brought up. To If someone wants to come on board and pay for a season three, we would you know, open arms here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I to hope... all of you listening out there, if you like yep. Continuum... Well, I'll tell you, JTS is hoping in the future to be able to fund some original shows, just like Netflix, on a much smaller scale. And they would be a great place to do that because I know Continuum's been one of their more popular shows. Mm -hmm. Um, But that takes money there as well. And I know they've been trying to get some outside private equity funds. And who knows? Maybe it could happen. I hope it does. I'd like to see that. Uh, I'm almost kind of surprised that web series like uh, Hollywood kind of snatches up an options rights to like books, definitely comic books has been huge uh, last 10, 20 years. Another thing, I'm kind of surprised they don't snatch up web series almost. Maybe they will someday. I don't know if we want them to snatch it up. That's happened and it's happening a little bit more probably it did around 2008 more than it did the last few years and then it's kind of happening again um or what's probably happening more is established filmmakers like the brian singers of the world are are pitching or shows or getting shows pitched to them and instead of making um a direct to dvd or direct to vod movie they make it a web series and then they take it like halo and those kind of things or um h plus because more or less that was a the way I perceived it anyway, I don't think I'd read this anywhere. I believe Halo was, but it was originally a movie pitched to Brian Singer, H+. And um, they decided to do a web series, and then they released it online, and then they still can sell it as a DVD or movie in the end. Mm-hmm. We actually interviewed uh, John Cabrera, uh, the co-creator. Karen oh, yeah. O'Neill knows him, but I do not. Mm-hmm. But so like Halo, you know, Halo again is a great example. That was funded by Microsoft. And I, I think they spent in the neighborhood of $10 million, which is a, the most expensive web series that I know of. But then in the end, they put it back in and make it and sell it as a movie too. Mm-hmm. Bowser Galactica Blood and Chrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Same exactly. And then the um, Mortal Kombat, that, that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And those are all, those are all, they look great. Those are all high end. Yeah. High end shows, especially for the web. Yeah. Before we go, is there anything else you would like to let people know about or where to find your current projects and upcoming projects online? Yeah, I'd love to again plug Phobia. It'll be released um, all over the country and Canada on video on demand and iTunes and PlayStation and Xbox. And then we have a Facebook page for that. 
facebook.com forward slash phobia the movie. And then Continuum is rolling out right now on YouTube. If, if you search Continuum, it'll probably come up with a sci-fi show, <laughs> <laughs> the Sci-Fi Network show. But uh, just look for our show. You'll see Melanie Murkowski most likely in a, on a still on YouTube. And that is rolling out right now. We just released – it's on Sci-Fi Riot and then also Continuum the Series. That's the uh, YouTube channels. And then Morganville will be coming to a computer screen – in your house in about four or five, six months. <laughs> Excellent. Or or on a bus or in a car, any more tablets and everything You're else. You're going to turn into a Dr. Seuss rhyme. Uh, is, oh, I was almost there. <laughs> you can watch on your computer screen or on a bus or in a car. You can watch it wherever you are. Hi, I'm Ben Bays, executive producer of Aiden 5, the web series, and you're listening to Genretainment. Well, a big yelling goat thanks to Blake <laughs> for chatting with us, and we look forward to seeing the rest of season two of Continuum, the film Phobia, and the series Morganville. So that's it for today's Genretainment. We'll be back soon with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. And coming up in our next episode, we have the stars of the feature film Gamers Hands of Fate. In a few weeks, Director John Badham joins us to discuss his book, John Badham on Directing. He directed classic films like Short Circuit, War Games, Saturday Night Fever, and more. Click on over to our website at genretainment.com or our Facebook page to send us a question for either guests. We also have the game designers that brought us Mutants and Masterbinds and DC Adventures coming to the show. And that's just a few of the many fun guests we have coming up. And don't forget, you can also check out the other great shows on the Sci-Fi Pulse radio channel, like SFP Now, The Roundtable, and more. Until, Until next time. time.